This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Nidell, and today we're talking about the second season of life. It's inevitable that we all get older, isn't it? I mean, as long as things go the right way for us. I mean, that's the plan. Now, admittedly, I don't know that I know someone that is looking forward to getting up in age, to getting older. As far as what typically happens, right? Our bodies start to shut down. Things aren't as easy. We eventually lose our memory. There seems to be some quintessential things that happen. And of course, from that standpoint, you start thinking about what happens after this life. What happens next? What is next? And of course, we get into the spiritual or religious conversation. We start mapping out and planning out what could come next. We start to talk about meeting our creator. And I hope all of that is very true, of course. right? It's that nice necessity for definition that helps us feel good as mere mortals here. But the second season of life becomes an interesting conversation when it's someone that's in your life that's knee-deep in that second season. And imagine, if you will, in a sports analogy, that you're to halftime in a football game. We'll make it even more incredible and call it the Super Bowl. It's halftime in the Super Bowl. You come out, it's the third quarter. The team stretch. They start playing. Things are good. And then all of a sudden, you look up at the scoreboard, and it's now the fourth quarter, and there's only three minutes left. You're like, wait, wait, time out. We, we certainly didn't play all this. We didn't play this entire game. None of us lost our mind, but yet there's no time left on the clock. That's what is happening in my father's life. So it's interesting. I've shared openly on this show for however many episodes I'm in now, the ups and downs and the lefts and rights of my father and I's relationship. Where originally some of my earliest memories were great memories with him. A little town outside of Buffalo, New York called East Aurora. Going with him on the weekends to a place called Dunkirk and Fredonia where there was right an annex center for Adelphia Cable where I would spend hours as he was splicing cable. I would spend hours and hours out in these fields playing around with big cable reels and crawling on things and exploring and building stuff and breaking things. You name it, I would do it. Then my father started to travel more for work. He seemed to never be, never be home. And that close relationship that I had with him started deteriorating. I missed him. Right? I mean, I wanted to, I mean, I had this great relationship. And granted, this is right first and second grade. And so all of a sudden we get the get notification, right? He gets a gets a raise. I didn't realize this at the time, but he got a promotion. 
He comes home and says, you know, sits us down and says, we're moving. We're moving to a town called Mansfield, Ohio. And I remember being so beside myself because it was just towards the, the end of second grade and sobbing inside of Parkdale Elementary School of all these friends and literally everything that I knew in my life was going to be ripped from me. And of course, I had no choice in this matter. But yet it was happening. And the upside of it happening was the fact that I would get to spend more time with my father. The whole idea was when we moved to Mansfield, Ohio, would be in this great position in which he wouldn't have to travel. He'd have little day trips and he'd help build the Ohio system, but that would be all that it would require. Man, talk about exciting, right? It was it's a two-sided equation. I was leaving this area, that the only area I'd ever known, and as a right, seven, eight-year-old child, that, of course, is what feels to be traumatic. Now I would actually recommend it. I think it's great that there's diversity. Moved to this new house, which back then was the most incredible house in the most amazing neighborhood because everything was newer and nicer. And so it's great. Right, we move in. And no sooner do we move in, do we take our annual family vacation to a little lake on the western border of New York called Chautauqua Lake. We go to Chautauqua Lake as a family. We stay at a place called Big Ed's, which is still in existence. We rent a little cabin. We have our boat there. We drive our minivan, and everything is good. And during that time, there's this tropical storm that brews up and builds up and turns into category four hurricane this category four hurricane ended up being titled hurricane andrew it was catastrophic to south dade miami that entire region everything was decimated and of course as i'm now eight years old so go back 26 years 1994 or so. Actually, it'd have to be 1992. There's no cell phones. And there's no cabin phones. Man, was it a better time to live. Don't, do you remember those times right? Where you, when you left the house, there was no way to get a hold of you? Or when you got home, you were excited to run and go check the answering machine? I mean, I remember how great it was when we progressed from the tape answering machine, right, where you'd have to go press record before you left. And when we took the big jump up into the digital age where there was no tape and it was just a flashing number when you came home, man, was that incredible. And so we come home and there's flashing numbers, a bunch of them. And my dad listens to them. My mom listens to them. They listen to him as a family. I don't recall being a part of it. And one of the messages is from a gentleman named John Regis. John Regis is the founder of Adelphi Cable. And as the founder of Adelphi Cable, one of their systems was South Dade, Florida. And so the entire system was decimated in the hurricane. And so he's calling to ask, which when you read between the lines is demand that my father goes down and rebuilds the system. And so we hadn't even unpacked the boxes yet in our house, right? It was just enough to barely get stuff set up before we went on our vacation. As soon as we get home, that's the first thing. 
And within two or three days, my dad's bag is packed and he is driving to South Dade. I mean, that was horribly fearful of flying. Tons of anxiety. And I'll cut through all the back and forth, but for the next two, two and a half years, maybe even three, he's down in South Dade rebuilding this cable system. And the entire reason we moved was so that he wouldn't travel and he wasn't around. And during some really pivotal years. And when he did come back, he was tired, he was angry, he was aggressive, he was short, he was everything that he hadn't been before. He got pretty miserable. It actually got miserable enough that sometime in between my 12th and 13th year on this planet, my parents sit my sister and I down and say, we're getting divorced. So eventually South Dade rebuilds. He comes back to, to now build the system that is Ohio, but Ohio has already been built and been growing in his absence, and he gets promoted up to the next level, which is essentially vice president level of Adelphia Cable which requires him to travel back and forth from Mansfield, Ohio, to Cowdersport, Pennsylvania, a very small town in eastern Pennsylvania. And so he's just resentful. He's miserable. He's mean. He's all these things. Miss out on the childhood, was chasing money, and I get it, right? It's, it's what we're ingrained in our brain of what we're supposed to do. And then life takes its twists and turns. There's some different things that happen and they get divorced and life just sometimes just doesn't go the right way, right? My dad eventually gets remarried to a wonderful woman. Kind of a spur of the moment thing. We didn't really know it was coming. And I speak to my dad a handful of times from 18 to 24 maybe 25. When I say handful, like literally, a, I can probably count them on two hands. Our relationship's just not good. Eventually from doing work on myself, some of the same work I help individuals do now, comes to Lindsay Nye's home as I'm with her and right, I'm 31 years old and we sit down and we have the tough conversation conversation of all the things that I hate about him, all the things that he has done that make me angry at him, all the things I've had to battle and overcome in my life based off of different experiences from him inside of our lives with one another. We end up deciding to leave all of those emotions and I get a much more clear understanding about him and what he's been through. And we leave all the emotions there. And we decide to move forward and to work to grow and mature our relationship. Which has been great. I feel more connected to my dad currently than I have in all that I can remember. And so last year when he called me and told me he had prostate cancer, it was a shock. I did some research, and prostate cancer is pretty curable, and we catch it early enough. Well, he was right stage three, stage four, stage something not good. So he goes in for surgery, a certain part of it being removed. 
And it's kind of a wait and see game. It's kind of what the doctors come up with. They can't find that it's spread anywhere else, so he's okay, but it's just a wait and see. So we think we're through the through the woods, right? Life's not too bad. At this point, he's been retired for quite some time. Day trades, does things, tinkers around. And his wife is about to retire. She retires in, I believe, the end of June, maybe end of July. End of this month. So looking forward to traveling and doing some things that way. He finally breaks down and goes out and buys the new truck that he's wanted forever. Right? Dad's incredibly frugal. Sporges buys himself the new, gosh, I think it's a Sierra, right? SLT, all the bells and whistles. And he's, he calls me, he's over the moon excited because he hasn't ever treated, he's always wanted a nice car, he's just never treated himself on it. And that same conversation he shares with me how he's fallen down a couple times and right, it's like his legs just give out. Once when he was went up for a walk, right, just around the neighborhood, and he's like, "There's, I lose balance, and I kind of topple over." Another time was when he's getting out of his previous car, right, a little Honda Civic that he had. Goes to get out, and he's like, "I just fell down on the driveway, and I couldn't get up for like an hour. Just I knew how to get up. My body wasn't responding to what my mind told it to do." And then he said, "I fell in the shower." And had Cindy, his wife, not been home, he said, I would have just had to lay there for as long as it took. She helped me get up, and it's like my body reset. He goes, so I'm going to go to the doctor and see what it is. Maybe it's blood pressure. Maybe it's blood sugar. There's something. So we've got a plan to go to the doctor on Thursday. Gets an MRI done. Gets some things done. And right, the, the results instantly caused for pause inside of the room right they the way he tells the story they say look you really can't go anywhere you gotta go talk to a specialist so he speaks to the specialist he spends hours speaking to the specialist and it ends up being that he has uh, something called ataxia in addition to cerebral atrophy so the MRI showed that his brain has lost what he estimates to be 25% of its total size. And the MRI shows a whole bunch of black spots of, right, there's just nothing there. And so his spinal column is losing, right, where his, his brain connects to his spinal column. It's not functioning anymore. And so there, what's happening to him is at this point, he is rapidly going to begin losing his memory to the point that anything that you can find online shows an inevitability that he will lose all memory and all control of almost everything, a very advanced form of dementia. And if it's caught early, they estimate it's 10 to 30 years. But in the advanced state that it's in, it's probably more like a year, maybe longer. And so he's going in for more testing and has to go back for prostate testing and going to have just all of it removed now. And it's just this one after another after another. And he calls us and he shares this with me on, on Monday, end of my work day. And he asked me straight up. He's like, you know, are, are you alone? Can we talk? And I know when he says something like that, it's not good. And he shares this entire story with me. And I started thinking how wild it is. 
Right? Like, I got my dad's back now. And not that I wouldn't have always, I'm sure, but it's different in this moment. Where his wife loves him, his wife will take care of him, but it's like this is going to end up coming full circle where there's going to come a point where inevitably he has to, or I choose to, or I want him to live with Lindsay and I, and we'll have a caregiver inside of our home for him. And it's just how crazy it is that he had this entire life planned out, right? He sat down, he shared with me his financials, and right, he's got the money and the, the waterfall effect and investments and conservative and mid and aggressive and based off inflation, all of this brilliant work done for the fact of things trickling down right by the time he's he has a plan out till he's 90, right? And he's 61 right now, so 29 more years of enjoying life, traveling, doing things. And right, it might be a year, maybe it's five years, but there's something coming in which whatever he had planned for this second stage of life is going to be cut dramatically short, right? His plan was 90. And that he might live till 70, 75, 80. But it doesn't sound like he's going to remember much after 60, 65. And I would love to say there's some impactful message, right? Live life for today and don't try to plan for everything because you're not going to be able to. But admittedly, a lot of that's BS in this moment. The bigger lesson for me is just to mend those bridges. Have the conversations. Drop the sword for a minute. Let down your ego. Because there's going to come a point where the person that you feel like has wronged you past reconcile. They're not going to be around for you to be able to reconcile with them. Or, in my father's case, he won't be able to remember the fact that we needed to reconcile. So from that very place, I'm going to encourage you in these unique times that we're in to make peace with the past, to address it, don't don't swallow it, to have the tough conversation, to get on solid ground. Because that solid ground is going to matter eventually. Just like it's starting to matter for my father and I. I'm Ryan Nidell, wishing you truly unlimited success. Mm-hmm.